Hello and welcome to another episode of the Tennis Fanlist podcast, possibly the last one for a while where we're going to be looking back at a tennis match. Um, we're going to be doing some re- retrospective pods in, in December, don't worry, we'll still, we'll still keep your feeds uh, plugging away a little bit. But uh, obviously the main focus of this podcast will be Daniil Medvedev being crowned the champion of the ATP Tour Finals this year. Joining me as always are Marcus Ali, he's Michael Gillett, how are you doing? Yeah, really good, thank you. Um, looking forward to talking about this final, which was a, a really, really good match. Um, quite a lot to talk about in it. And uh, looking forward to having a discussion about what it means uh, going, in, going into next year. So just to talk about the match itself to begin with, um, obviously the Russian player got the win 4-6, 7-6, 6-4 in the end. It was a bit of a nail-biter, two hours and 44 minutes. I think it was, uh, I think I saw, saw uh, Jose Morgado tweet out, it was, it was the longest three-set uh, final they've had at the ATP Tour final. Obviously, it used to go to five sets just, just for the final. Um, so yeah, we, we really, it really did live up to the hype. You know, um, from my point of view, I was quite bullish about Dominic Team to win the match in, a, in our last episode, and obviously that uh, did not did not uh, take place. But nevertheless, we were we were treated to another great match. Um, it would have been disappointing to see someone run away with it, and you know, Daniel Medvedev stuck in there and really put together an awesome match in the end. You have to say. Um, so yeah, just just as a spectacle, it was thoroughly enjoyable, very tense. Um, I was certainly watching it, and and uh, my girlfriend, as I was watching it, was with was supporting Medvedev, so it was quite tense at points because, I mean, she was kind of doing it for the sake of it, whereas I actually really wanted Dominic team to win, so it got on my nerves a little bit. Um, you know, there were there were breakpoint opportunities that went uh, that went and passed for both players. That that last set was was really tense. Team, you'd have to say, had the opportunities in the second set and couldn't quite get over the line. But Medvedev really came on the stronger player in that third set. Um, you know, he, he's won every single match at, at this tournament and especially after the victory in Paris, it's an incredible way to finish the year. Um, you know, we, we saw him not celebrate, but I don't think that takes anything away how much this title means to him. You know, he joins his fellow next-gen players in Zverev and Tsitsipas now with that title to their name. And to me, he looks like the strongest out of that three to kick on next year. But firstly, just, yeah, what was your verdict on, on the game as a whole? I always knew Amy was a Daniel Medvedev fan. Obvious. Um, yeah, it was a, a really good final, to be honest. Um, a very, I, I thought both of them were quite slow out of the blocks, to be honest. Uh, the, the first few games, they, they looked a little bit tight compared to um, how they looked the day before when they'd beaten uh, Djokovic and Nadal. Um, team Djokovic, Medvedev and Dow. Um, and, and then, yeah, there was that one horrible game from Medvedev um, where he was 40 love up on serve and he just threw away. I mean, pretty much every one of those five points that he lost, he, he made an error on. He missed a dreadful smash. Um, that was a double fault in there. There was a couple of unforced errors on the forehand. Um, and, and, you know, he... It, it, it really wasn't a good game at all, and it, it really—I'm not taking anything away from team's performance in the set, but um, 
really handed teams the, the set in, in what was quite a close set other than that game. Um, and then, yeah, really just got to that tie break. And, and as you say, you know, team was was leading that tie break and, and then lost, uh, I think I think it was, was it seven points in a row uh, the team lost, yeah. Um, and yeah, definitely, as you, you said, pre-pod and, and possibly just then, just a, there was a, a, a big momentum switch uh, in the match. And I think team has had some pretty... Um, heartbreaking times in finals, looking back at that Australian Open final against Djokovic. And, and I think this is up there. He was, I, I don't want to say the title was on his racket, but with those uh, break points in the um, in the second set and uh, the two love lead in the tie break. Um, and I think he held serve up until that third set. It was... Um, yeah, it's maybe another one that just got away from him a little bit, but not taking it away from Medvedev. He um, really grew into the match. Um, really, no, it, it was it was very very similar to how he played against Nadal. I thought um, started maybe a little bit slow and and then just got into it. And by the end, he he just was the better player. And um, yeah, I think the the whole not celebrating thing is quite interesting. Um, to see him win the biggest title of his career and his reaction is to turn around and give the ball back to the ball kid um, is is interesting. Uh, I can't quite work out if I like it or not. I, I do wonder if maybe if he wins Wimbledon next year, I'd, I'd, I'd be surprised if he did keep that up and I'm perhaps a little bit disappointed if he didn't celebrate a Wimbledon title. But, um, you know, he, he wants to make it his thing. He's saying he wants to make it his thing. He, he sees players doing it in football, he says, um, and he wants to he wants to do it to tennis. And, and you know, it's uh, fair enough if he wants to make it his thing. Everyone gets remembered for different things. Nadal will always be remembered for uh, falling to the floor on his back. Uh, Djokovic does his little, I don't really know what it is, but he sort of does his little turn towards all of the stadium. Um, Songa used to do his... Uh, jumping around and uh, pointing at his head or whatever, and and, and Medvedev is going to be the man who shrugs. So uh, yeah, fair enough. But um, yeah, really good, really good final and a, a very deserved win for Medvedev. Yeah, just looking a little deeper in it, in our reflection, I think we we discussed yeah the, the momentum change in that second set tiebreak. And for me, I'm pretty sure I'm I'm right in saying Dominic team has spent quite a while longer out on court than Daniil Medvedev in, in the week as a whole. Obviously, he had um, those two gruelling tie-break matches with Nadal in the group and then that mega marathon of a match against Novak Djokovic in, in the semi-final compared to Daniil Medvedev, who didn't drop a set until the semi-final to Rafael Nadal. I just wondered what you thought, whether a bit of fatigue might have come into play. I mean, combined with the pressure... We, we saw some uncharacteristic, unforced errors from team, particularly in that third set, whereas Medvedev just seemed a bit more solid player. You know, he was getting more balls back in, in good areas of the court and um, managing to stretch those rallies out one more point, one more point, and eventually team, team was, was, was missing, missing a few shots. Just uh, for me, it played a little part, not, not a major part. I think Medvedev just came on the stronger player and... And really was really boosted by by that second set tie break win. But I just wanted to get your opinion on uh, yeah whether physically he just he could just hold it together a little bit more than team. Yeah, I think um, it's an interesting point. Um, Medvedev, I think 
to me, uh, especially this week, Medvedev has looked like the sort of player who could really tire out and frustrate someone. You know, he he. Whereas team is very much a sort of against Djokovic, he was hitting an insane amount of winners. Whereas Medvedev is a lot more. He quite likes to grow into the rally. I think I saw a stat at some point in the match. Um, I think it's quite early that uh, Medvedev had won all of the points or nearly all of the points that had gone past six or seven shots. Um, so, yeah, I think if, if there is a player who's going to tie you out, it is going to be Daniel Medvedev. But like I said at the end of last podcast, I, as much as I hate to say this, and, and I hope I'm wrong, I do think team has a problem with finals. You know, he, um, he had that bad experience in the Australian, uh, very nearly didn't win the US when uh, he, he and, and then was maybe helped a little bit on his way to winning that. Um, and, and yeah, now just sort of, being, as I said, I don't want to say it was on, on, on his racket, but you know, he was in a winning position and it's another one that's been turned around against him. And I, I do question that he, he just maybe lacks that mental edge slightly in the final, but it, but it is getting better. Don't get me wrong. It, it, 2020 has been a massive year for team um, and, and also obviously a, a disrupted year. There's been a lot less tennis than usual, so potentially with a bit more tennis, we could have seen team doing even more than we have seen him do this year. But um, yeah, I I think he, he probably did get fatigued, don't get me wrong. Um, had some tough matches, even straight from that first match uh, of the tournament. He, he was given a, a real tough one against Stefanis Tsitsipas, which went the distance. Um, but yeah, I don't know. I, I do question his his performance in the final in in, in finals a little bit. Um, but yeah, can't take it away from from Medvedev, who, if tiredness was getting into him and he was feeling fatigued, he certainly didn't show it. Um, just grew into to both those matches against the Dow and team. Just seemed to get more energetic as the match went on. Yeah, definitely looked like he still had plenty left in the tank, um, even if that third set went even deeper than it, than it had to. Just one thing that struck me about Medvedev is just the incredible agility he's got for a man of six foot six stature. Um, I mentioned this in his match against uh, Djokovic, I think it was, and, and Nadal, about his, his defensive play in the game. You know, he usually likes to be the aggressor, particularly on serve. Um, but in his return game, you know, he's, he's got to stay in points a lot more when you're playing players with such huge weapons like Team or, or Rafael Nadal. But yeah, it's just his agility, some of the balls he was getting back from very low to the ground. You know, Team hits these forehands with so much topspin that once the balls bounce, it's really on the way down to the second bounce already. But the way he was able to get low and get the ball back into the court and often deep in the court to make sure it wasn't easy just to put him away. It was really, really outstanding. Another thing that um, is more and more of a longer-term basis, um, particularly post-lockdown, but in this tournament, I thought it showed a lot as well. It's Medvedev's temperament, I think, has improved a lot. Um, when he was a player that was sort of breaking into the top 10, obviously, we've been following him for quite a few years now. And he used to be a player that got frustrated very easily. Um, you know, maybe this was brought on a little bit more by having, by having crowds in. In the, in the stadium, but in the arena. But he was, yeah, he, he would get annoyed with himself a lot more. Sometimes, you know, the self-talk was was very negative. Um, you know, he could go a breakdown in a set and you'd feel like mentally the way he was sort of treating himself and his body language would tell you that he, he was never getting back into that. 
Whereas in this in this tournament, you know, he's gone he's gone a, a set down in the semi final and the final. I think uh, pretty sure he lost the first set to Rafael Nadal, and just just mentally, I think he's held it together so well. You know, very very mature head on a twenty four year old, and I think that you know he's, he's just managed to outstay team and, and Nadal in those rallies, keeping his composure right deep into that third set. I think that's a massive contributing factor into how he's managed to win this title. You know, it's absolutely relentless, this tournament. You know, we, we, we're used to seeing players play sort of every day, every couple of days in some of the bigger tournaments on the tour. But this time, you know you're playing a quality player in every single one of those matches. You know, there's some, some matches we see on the tour in the first couple of rounds where a player can just sort of ease their way through it, maybe maybe drop a set and then have to show up in the last last set to, to progress. But, you know, it's absolutely relentless. And I think Medvedev's, um, yeah, just mentality and the way he's been able to deal with setbacks has been really impressive. And, you know, going forward, that could definitely definitely make him more confident and a, and a bigger threat in, in the bigger tournaments next year. For sure, yeah, really agree. Um, and and you lead on quite nicely there when you're talking about next year. I'm just thinking about what this means. Um, obviously, that we we don't want to take away the the um, joy of the moment for for Medvedev, but he's still got a massive a massive act to 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 um or or a massive yeah act to follow up on 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 that um that win at the finals. We've seen Dimitrov. Uh, uh sorry, Dimitrov Zverev and Sitsipas uh, in that order, winning these these finals. Um, and Dimitrov Sitsipas never even made a Grand Slam final, still to this day. Uh, Zverev obviously had made that Grand Slam final at the US, but it will always loom uh, in in his record that it was the 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 Grand Slam final that none of the big three were there for. I know, obviously, Djokovic was there, but. Um, what happens happens with the disqualification. Um, yeah, I, I don't know. I think um, looking forward to next year, Medvedev still has a lot to prove. His uh, record at Grand Slams isn't brilliant. He's 0-6 in five set matches. Uh, that was an Australian Open five set lost uh, this year to Stamravrinka. Um, and of course, that uh, five set loss to Nadal in the US Open final last year. And, and a stat here that surprises me a bit it might surprise you a little bit as well. Um, but then thinking about it, I guess I did know it. Apart from that final he made at the US Open and the semi-final he obviously made this time round when he lost to team, uh, Medvedev has never actually made a quarter-final of any other of the Grand Slams. Uh, never made quarter at the Aussie, never made quarter at the French, never made quarter at the Wimbledon. I think third third round exits at most of them possibly fourth round I can't quite remember I think I think he might have got to a fourth round at the French this year maybe but um he, he has got a poor slam record so I think despite Medvedev winning this title I, I do have a lot more hope for Dominic Team in the Grand Slam tournaments next year uh Dominic Team's already proven that he has quite a bit more to offer in the Grand Slams having made the finals of each Grand Slam apart from Wimbledon obviously we missed Wimbledon this year as well so we could say maybe team is yet to play a Wimbledon since he's been at that sort of newfound top of his game. Um, whether the grass courts will suit his style of play is it will, will be interesting to be seen. The hard courts never used to, but he's adapted very well to them, so he could do the same for grass. Um, but yeah, 
Um, I think what I'm generally saying is that Vome Evidence won the title and it's a huge win. He, he's got a long way to go if he wants to take that next step now because this is arguably the, the fifth biggest tournament in tennis. Um, well, I say arguably, it, it is if you're looking at it in terms of ranking points. It's the fifth most prestigious tournament and, and so now the next step for Medvedev is to win a Grand Slam and, and I think he's still a little way off doing that despite making the final at the US and taking the Dow to five last year. Other than that, I just look at his Grand Slam record and I just think he could still have a little way to go at the moment. Yeah, definitely. It's, it's the biggest and, and toughest step we've seen with a lot of players that have been in and around, you know, making semi-finals, being in the top 10, top five in the rankings that have tr- struggled really to to break through the, the big two or three players when it when it comes to those those huge matches in, in Grand Slams. I think, you know, Daniil Medvedev really struggles on clay surface, so French Open, I think that's one that we'd probably write him off for already next year. Um, maybe he can improve his clay game when he's a bit more of an established player in, towards his late 20s, like sort of similar to maybe Novak Djokovic did if he's... Uh, yeah, just looking to have success on that event. You know, his biggest threats come at the Australian Open and the US Open. You have to say he's still unproven on a grass court. But definitely this win stands in, you know, stands being in good stead. And I think, as I said in um, the one of the one of our ATP Tour Finals episodes, that I felt like it was the best four players in the world making the semi-finals of this tournament. And I'd say that again, I'd, I'd say those four players are the most likely to win slams next year. Um, obviously, we all... We all probably expect Djokovic to come very close, if not win the Australian Open. We'd all expect Rafael Nadal to similarly win Roland Garros, if not come very close or be injured, is the most likely way we see him of not winning it. Um, So, yeah, I guess the real question would be, do we see a first-time Grand Slam winner or or Dominic team? Do Do we see someone outside of Djokovic and, and Nadal winning a slam in 2021. Um, just another question I wanted to have for you as well, um, just about what does this all mean going forward, is do you think that the next-gen boys have kind of got it over over the likes of Djokovic and Nadal in the three-set format? You know, Djokovic won five ATP Tour finals titles in a row and then he's lost. Uh, <laughs> he hasn't won in the, in the last four. Obviously, we've seen Zverev outmuscle him in, in uh, 2018 to, to get that title, which is an outcome you definitely wouldn't see coming now. Do you think Novak Djokovic or Rafael Nadal, quite a hypothetical question, but will ever win the ATP Tour Finals? I know you asked me about Rafa similarly in the last episode. And then, yeah, just adding on to that, can you see someone outside the big two winning winning a slam next year. You don't have to give me a, an outright yes or no, but I definitely think it's likely. And I'd like to say I, I, I do think it will happen, yeah. Sorry, the questions are, um, do I think I'll see someone outside the top two win a slam next year? And do I think that either Djokovic or Nadal could win the ATP finals again? Right, Marcus is nodding at me. Okay, um, the first one... Um, about someone outside the top two winning a slam. Um, I'm assuming top. When you say top two, we're just gonna exclude Federer anyway, because uh, I, you know, I don't think we're gonna be seeing Federer win a slam. But I don't want to say yes 
I do think we'll see that. I think Roger Federer will win Wimbledon because um, that wouldn't be hugely new and exciting. Um, yeah, I think we will. I think we will. Um, best chances are definitely at Wimbledon in the US. I think most people would sort of agree on that. Like you say, Djokovic has to go in favourite for the Aussie. Uh, Nadal always has to go in favourite as the French Open, barring injuries, you say. Um, Nadal has been fit for quite a while though now. So who knows? It definitely could be an injury coming in 2021. Um, Wimbledon... Yeah, I don't know. We haven't seen Wimbledon this year. And though I feel like Wimbledon is open, but it is also the one where I feel like we haven't seen many of the next gens actually competing for it. Even though we seem to think it's a, it's a quite an open draw, the people that go far in it are normally the more uh, experienced and, and established players in, in sort of the likes of Marin Cilic, Kevin Anderson, John Isner. They're the sorts of ones that cause the upsets at Wimbledon rather than um, uh, the, the young guys team, I think has never been past the, the fourth round he made in 2017 team. Um, other than that, never got to a fourth round at Wimbledon. Um, Medvedev, I think, is third round at Wimbledon. Um, Sitsipas... I don't know. I mean, he went out in the first round last year. Before that, whether he was playing Wimbledon, I don't know. Maybe that was his only appearance. Um, and Zverev, I can't even think of him playing at Wimbledon, so probably not. I think he was possibly a first-round exit last year as well. So, maybe not with Wimbledon. Maybe if we do see someone outside the top two winning Wimbledon, if we're going by sort of how it goes, maybe it's going to be more like a... I don't know, well, it's not going to be one of those guys anymore. I don't know. The US Open, though, is definitely the one that um, we can expect to see an upset from more so than the others. Medvedev's always already made the final. Team's already won it. Zverev's already made the final. Um, I don't think has performed that well at the US, but I, 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 don't, I don't deny him on that surface. So um, my answer to that is yes. Um, but probably not at the first two slams of the year, but hopefully uh, we could see team coming through at the Australian. I think he's probably the best hope, maybe Medvedev. Um, and do I think Djokovic or Nadal will win the ATP Tour Finals again? I'll say probably no for Nadal, uh, which I think I said on my last pod. I think I'd say yes for Djokovic. He's got one more to get until he equals the record with Federer uh, the finals. I think Federer's got five, Djokovic's got four. I think these records, even though he doesn't let, let it on, these records really matter for Djokovic. Um, and I think after sort of losing four years in a row, I think he will be very hungry next year. And if we do see the next-gen players doing better at slams next year, then I, I don't like calling them next-gen players. I know we've had this discussion before, team isn't a, a next-gen player, but... If those players do do better at Slams next year, then potentially the the onus for them is 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 off of the the World Tour Finals a little bit, and they might even be a little bit more fatigued coming into it, having played uh, very well at the year-ending tournaments. So yeah, I, I think I think Djokovic will win it again. My very long answer to that. Yeah, fair play. Thanks, thanks for that insight. Um, just uh, just one thing remains. Then I think. That concludes our discussion on the ACP Tour Finals. What a tournament. Um, you know, I, I really, really enjoyed it. It, it exceeded its, uh, my expectations in terms of match quality, in terms of 
yeah, player performances and, and just sheer tension. It was a really, really brilliant event. Um, I'll just say one thing uh, in, in credit to Medvedev. I believe uh, he's the first player, I'm not sure if Dimitrov won all of his matches, but um, he's the first player in, in the last few years to, to actually win that tournament by winning all of their matches. Um, Tsitsipas lost to Nadal last year, went on to win the title. Zverev lost to... I can't remember. I know he he, he did lose Zverev uh, in the group stage. It might have been to... I don't know. I can't remember, but I know he lost in in that group stage. Um, it might have been to Djokovic, actually, and then he beat Djokovic in the final. Yeah, I think that was it. He lost in Djokovic to, to, in the round robin. Um, so, yeah, fair play to Medvedev being one of the few players in recent years to actually be able to, to sort of win, I guess, the, the sort of grand slam is what you would call it if if they won all their matches, but it's, it's not quite a grand slam. But, yeah, well, well played for Medvedev. Yeah, I think I saw that he might have been the first player ever to win it by beating the world's top three as well. Um, yeah, so yeah, a great a great end to the year for Medvedev, and yeah, I think only um, I think only two other people have done that at any other tournament, beat the the world's top three. I saw it on on Twitter, and it was quite older players to beat the world's top three and then go on to win the title on on any tournament on on the whole tour. So um, yeah. Massive, massive stat, one I forgot to say. Yeah, so that's the final tournament of the 2020 season that we, we have just reflected on. Sadly, we'll not be covering the Challenger tournaments that are taking place this week and potentially next week as well. I'm sure we'll, we'll, we'll be enjoying them. You know, they're on our radar as well, but not quite uh, podcast coverage, sadly. Um, so, yeah, we're going to be looking forward to previewing matches, um, tournaments that start next year. And as I said, there will be a couple of retrospective episodes out. We might do an awards show and things like that in December. But just to finish off this episode, Michael's done me a guess the player. All of the players will be very excited for the first edition of the Tennis Fanalist Awards. Uh, I think it's the awards that they really care about. So, uh, yeah, I'm going to go for guess the player. Um, I think this was my the same first clue that I had for Save Off Wild on my last one. So the first clue is I have one ATP Tour title. Okay, but it wasn't, you're not, you're not putting a, a date on that. Uh, just one ATP Tour title. Martin Fuchovic. Uh, no, it's not Martin Fuchsovic. And very coincidentally, Martin Fuchsovic comes up in this second clue. Uh, so this year, at the uh, first two Grand Slams of the year, I lost in the second round of the Aussie to Martin Fuchsovic in straight sets. Uh, and at the US Open, I lost in the first round to Karen Hatchinoff. So just a couple of matches, if you can uh, think about it. Okay, um, yeah, I'm not recalling those matches too much, really. Should I say, actually, I, I should say, if I said Fuchsovic was in straights, I will say that Hatchinoff was actually a five-set match. So it was, okay. it was one of the better matches of the first round of the US. Uh, 
not really sticking out, to be honest. Um, go for Vasek Pospisil. Uh, not Vasek Pospisil. Uh, a, a good guess, I think. Um, okay. Uh, my career high is 37. Okay. Um, right. So, yeah, that... Yeah, one player with one tour title. 37, okay. Well, they have justified a tour title a bit. Uh, you've already done John Millman on guess the player, so it's not him, but I'm pretty sure he's only won one title. Um, hmm. Jeremy Shardy. No. Uh, I have just realised I've written six clues. Uh, I'm going to do all of them. Uh, so, well, if you need them. Uh, clue number four. If Again, it's another sort of one that might not help you at all. You've just got to remember it. Um, recently, so I, I can't remember when this one... Oh, in September, I've written on my clue. I beat Stefanos Tsitsipas at the Rome Masters. Okay. Um... Maybe I should know that because Tsitsipas is good on clay and would have come in quite favourably. Um, obviously, he lost to Umber in Paris. Don't think he lost to him in Rome as well. Um, is it... Uh, I've already done one for this guy. <laughs> but it might be Casper Ruud. It is not Casper Ruud. Uh, clue number five, but not the last clue, because uh, I do think I've, I've been maybe a little bit harsh in these first four clues. Not much given away. Number five is an interesting one. I won three challenger titles in 2019. Okay. Career high 37. Fallen down the rankings, maybe, to win three challenger titles last year. Blimey, this is a tricky one. Uh, I'm struggling because I don't have many, like, I can't really, don't really have many time codes. Like, I don't know when he got to 37 or when he won the title. Uh, I do think, I, I do think I've been harsh with the clues a little bit, yeah. Three challenges last year and then beat Sitsipas in Rome. So, um, let's go for... I'm not sure he's got a title. I know he's definitely made a final. No, no you've already done a guess a player for him, so it can't be Corentin Mute. Um, and he hasn't got to 37 anyway. Right. What randomers have won ATP Tour titles recently? John Millman would have fit it quite nicely, one Tour title, and I think his career high is probably around 37. Beating Stefan Sitsipas at the Rome Masters would have been very impressive for John Millman. Yeah, fair enough. Um, 
Let's go for Miamir Kecmanovic. Not Miamir Kecmanovic. Um, this last clue might change the way you're thinking about it a little bit. Uh, in 2019, I became the first player born in 2001 to reach a challenger final. The hint at age as well there. Yeah. Okay. Um, I should probably get this now, I think. Born in 2001, so he's 19. I can only think of one 19-year-old with an ATP Tour title. 37 matches up quite well. Three to challenges last year. Doesn't surprise me. Is it Yannick Sinner? Correct. Well done. Yeah, I think... Um, when you said on that last clue that you were thinking of someone who had been at 37 and then fallen away by winning three Challenger Tour titles last year, I think that probably threw you off a little bit because it was in fact the other way around. Um, last year, the three Challenger titles coming on on sort of Sinner's uh, birth into the into the ATP Tour rankings and then, uh, yeah, having a very good year this year, winning that title, the last title before the finals, I think, uh, in Sofia. Uh, before, uh, as well as beating Sitzpass at the Rome Masters and a quarterfinal at the French as well. So, um, very good year for Sinner. And, and just very quickly, we're talking about um, Medvedev um, and team going into next year. I think I, ha I don't think I've said this on the pod. I think I've said it to you. I'm expecting Yannick Sinner to finish next year ranked in the top 10. That's a, a bold prediction. What, what would you hope? If you, what, what, if you had to come up with a main aim to see Sinner doing something next year, what would it be? I like the way you phrase that. Um, I think, yeah, I've seen quite a few people tip him up as top 10. And although that can be the goal, you'd have to say that is like an excellent achievement. I still think if he got top 20, top 15, that is also brilliant and great progress and also uh, quantifies for an excellent season. But I do expect him to breach the top twenty next year. Don't um, you know that? Don't get me wrong. That's I definitely expect him to breach at least the top twenty next year. I think top ten can be a you know a, an ambition, and if he comes close, then he's done really well. Um, so yeah, uh, another. What did you say? A main aim, I think, should be more titles. Really, I think you know you, if you get to lift titles before you're sort of twenty-one, that's a, a bit of a bonus. Um, you know, these younger players can't can't always sustain such consistency. I mean, we've seen it from Sinner in the, in the back end of this season, but it wouldn't be a surprise to see him maybe struggle for a month or two and then come good for a month or two. So I'd probably worry less about ranking at this age. I think if he can aim to win, last year he won one title, if he can aim to win two or three next year, I think that would be a realistic aim for him. Um, if you just take ranking out of the equation. But yeah, I definitely expect him to be inside the top 20 at least and pushing for the top 10, you'd hope, by the end of next year. Yeah, I'm very, very excited about Yannick Sinner. I've, I've watched him quite a bit, Sophia, and I just see... You know, he, he's doing things at the age of 19, which players like Zverev, Tsitsipas, Team, Medvedev, who we talk about as these these players... Maybe not so with team, but we talk about sort of the other ones as, as these younger players coming up. But he's doing stuff at, at that age that they didn't do. 
Um, and really, the only people to have done stuff at this age are, are people like uh, Nadal, Federer and Djokovic. I think I was looking at the youngest ATP Tour title winners. I think Nishikori won one very young. Other than that, I, I think Sinner is, is well up there. So, um, yeah, I'm, I'm very excited about Sinner. I think maybe even I could see him next year with, with nine opportunities. I could see him making the final of a, an ATP Tour Masters event. That could be quite a, a good uh, achievement for him. He's very good clay court and hard court player. So he's already showing you sort of that variety in him in his game. Um, so, yeah, that's your... your Guess the player of this week, Yannick Sinner, a player who you've got to you've got to watch out for next year. That's a fitting guess the player to end the season. I think definitely, yeah, someone will be at the forefront of everyone's minds going into next year's calendar. But that's the end of this episode of the Tennis Funnelist podcast. We'll be back next week or the week after that, definitely with, um, or maybe even towards the end of this week with a little reflection. Um, on the on the year itself and possibly even the awards show so yeah we won't be leaving you in the dark until next season begins but um, thanks for joining me as always Michael no worries at all uh, yeah looking forward to doing those those ones to round off the year and uh, and of course the Australian Open just can't come soon enough absolutely couldn't have said it better myself uh, thanks for listening everyone and uh, enjoy the rest of your week <laughs>